uh, coming to you from my office uh, at the church. I wanted to take this time today to complete the study on Elijah. Uh, the last the last lesson is is um, is brief. Uh, it's it it brings the ministry of Elijah to a glorious end, and then it begs several questions in our lives as servants of the Lord as well, and we'll talk about that as we get through it. But let me just go to, uh, let me go to the scriptures, and I'm just going to be in 2 Kings, going to jump over to 2 Kings chapter 2. And uh, on down about where verse eleven and t- verses eleven and twelve would be. Um, and I'll find it here in the in the Hebrew text. Here I think this is where verse eleven would start right here. And it happened. They continued on and went on and talked. And then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated between the two of them. Elijah and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces and took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan River. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where Yahweh is, God of Elijah, where he also is. When he struck the water, it was divided and this when he crossed over and Elisha crossed over. Well, that's just a little piece of the greater context of how Elijah and Elisha were walking together. And it just happened, the Bible says here, it happened that uh, as they were walking and talking, suddenly the chariot of fire with horses of fire separated the two of them. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So that that's, that's a glorious conclusion to the life, service, and ministry of Elijah that had lasted uh, over 30 years. Now, when we last saw Elijah, we were, we were looking at him in a time of a spiritual setback. He was greatly depressed. He wanted to die. He asked God to kill him. You may recall our last study. He never dreamed, I'm sure, especially when he was up there when he raised that little boy from the dead or when he was on Carmel and he defeated the prophets of Baal, he couldn't have dreamed of such a setback. But Satan, I want you to know, Satan caught him just 
at the right time and Elijah collapsed. We talked a lot about that uh, the last time. He doesn't recount everything. He doesn't recant everything. He doesn't apologize for everything. He just collapses and asks God to kill him. You know, God didn't even answer the question when he said, or, or, or address the issue when Elijah said, I want to die, because God knew this, this was not uh, the Elijah that had just experienced a great victory on Carmel. So God did exactly what Elijah needed. He strengthened him, he refreshed him, and then he found him. He, even though Elijah wasn't in the place where God had put him, he found him in that cave. It's wonderful. You know, Paul writes in his epistle, he said, no man seeks God. It's God who comes seeking for us. Elijah at that point, though refreshed and energized by the angel of, of God, yet still feels like, well, it's over. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm alone and there's no sense going on. You recall how we looked at how the Lord revealed to him there were still 7,000 7, that had not spoken uh, words to Baal. They'd, they'd protected their speech and they had never bowed their knees to Baal. Elijah didn't know that. God knew it, but Elijah couldn't have known it until God told him. And then here's what the Lord did for him. This is where we left off last time. Elijah was energized physically and then emotionally and finally spiritually, especially spiritually when God said, I'm not through with you, buddy. There's still a lot of work to do. Now, if you read, uh, well, let's say from chapter 21 in 1 Kings, from 1 Kings chapter 21 then chapter 22, and then 2 Kings chapter 1, uh, you will see a very busy Elijah. The Lord said it's time to go to work. Here's, here's the outline for your work, and then there's coming an end to your work when you've done all of this, and I want you to, I want you to anoint Elisha. Uh, Elisha is going to take your place, but you still have quite a bit to do. So, it was time for him to get back into the loyal service of the Lord, which he did, and he was strengthened and he finished strong. So the first thing we should note with regard to the close of Elijah's life on earth and his ministry, and I say his life on earth, it's an interesting way his life came to an end. Talk a little bit more about it before we're through. Uh, he established himself as a loyal servant of God. He obeyed God when God said, I've got work for you to do. You gotta anoint this king. You gotta anoint that king. Uh, you're gonna have to go and uh, anoint somebody to take your place. There's, there's still a lot of work to do. So in this, as I said, in the in the next chapters, especially from chapter 21 in 1 Kings through chapter one in 2 Kings, that's about three chapters, I guess, Elijah's out there on the front lines. He is prophesying to kings uh, in that space of time, Ahab and Jezebel both die horrible deaths uh, because of the way they mistreated somebody. And the Lord sent Elijah once again uh, to confront Ahab in the terrible conspiracy through his wife that uh, that was done. With, and Nabot, an, in, an innocent man, was killed and his, his 
his inheritance, his possessions, his land, literally stolen by by Jezebel through fraud and, and conspiracy. And she gave it then to uh, Ahab, who was pouting because Naboth would not sell him his land. It's an interesting story in chapter 21. But uh, the thing is, after that experience in the cave, if you look at it, his life in those three, three chapters or so was, was Elijah's life and ministry was so packed with activity. You have to say that, uh, that his, his greater days were ahead of him, even after the experience on Carmel with the province of Baal. He left that cave and he went to work and he didn't stop. He kept doing all this stuff, confronting kings, um, he called down on occasions. He called down fire from the Lord. Uh, so he was. He was. I would dare say, he is found serving God more at the end than he was at the beginning. He finished strong. Man, that's important for us. Finish strong. It's you know. You watch how many times have you? If you're a football fan, especially college football, how many times do you see kind of a a, a, a slow, sluggish game, and it's back and forth, and maybe, maybe your team is down a little bit, but it's how they finish. It's that fourth quarter. You know, I've seen college teams lose a game for three quarters and 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 twelve minutes, three three complete quarters and twelve minutes into the fourth quarter, but they finished strong and and won the game. And that's this is this is Elijah. He's finishing strong when I look at this when I look at this long text of scripture here. Uh, he finished strong because he went right to work like the Lord said, and he didn't mind confronting the kings that he confronted, and he was there on business for Yahweh, and Yahweh strengthened him and gave him uh, the power that he needs. So you know, none of us getting any younger and and I have to ask myself the question all the time, and, and I hope that you do as well. What are you doing for the Lord? We've had time now during this uh, this uh, virus thing. We've had time to reflect on a lot of things, and if we are spiritual-thinking people, the greatest of our reflections have been spiritual reflections, reflections on our spiritual living and our service to the Lord and our our work in the church um, and our fellowship with other believers and our attendance, our attendance to the precious, blessed, holy word of God. Uh, so those things really should have grown uh, in our lives during these last several weeks. So the question is, what kind of difference for the Lord have I been making? And am I, am I going to emerge from the cave that I've been in, like Elijah was? Am I going to emerge from this cave and still make a greater difference? Elijah's closing years were his best years. He was a much older man than he was 30 years previous to that. But that didn't matter in service to the Lord. Those things don't matter. What mattered was that he got back in the work and in the strength of the Lord, he could do whatever the Lord appointed him to do, which is what, which is what he did. So he made a real difference for God in his day. And that scene, I know in the uh, First Kings 21 where he confronts Ahab with regard to uh, how, how through Jezebel he had, uh, he had stolen the inheritance of Naboth. Uh, 
Then he murdered Naboth. Uh, he had stolen his vineyard. And Yahweh sends Elijah to confront Ahab about that. And so he, you know, uh, uh, Elijah knew the, knew the situation. He confronted him. But when Ahab saw Elijah coming, he says here, he says, uh, he calls him, oh, my enemy. He calls Elijah his enemy. But I'll tell you something. It's a great thing in this life, not just to be known by the friends that you make, but also to be known by the enemies that you make. W.A. Criswell wrote that in one of his books. And uh, I can't remember if it was on the life of Elijah, about Elijah being called his enemy. I think it was part of his commentary that you're not only always known by your friends, but you're also known by your enemies that you make. Um, and I, he came to preach for me one time in, in my pulpit at another church. And I picked him up in, uh, in, in another city and was carrying him to the church. And we had a, about an hour drive. And we talked and chatted, and and Dr. Criswell, we were. I I, to, I told him I admired that statement. It's always been with me. But you're also known by the enemies that you make, because by that time in my ministry, I seemed like I'd made uh, quite a few enemies. And my only job and task was just to be in the Word of God. I didn't know if I wasn't smart enough to do anything else. Um, and I never forget the words he said. You know. He said, if everybody likes you, there's something wrong with you. And you're not in true service. Boy, that stuck with me, and it really got to me. And I'm thinking of Elijah. A whole lot of people didn't like him. It started with Ahab and Jezebel, probably the two most prominent, popular people in that part of the world in that day. Man, they were cool because of how they led the people into the sin and the kind of sin that they led them into. So Elijah was a natural enemy. To them and Ahab didn't like Elijah. He didn't like him being around uh, him or his friends or anybody else. Oh my enemy, here you are again. So Elijah was known by his enemies. That's that's not a bad thing. He had made enemies of Ahab and, and Jezebel. And I would dare say a real Christian, a real Christian is known not just by his friends, but but by his enemies as well. Now here's Elisha. Elisha is drawn to Elijah. And we saw in the passage that we just read here a, a, a couple of minutes ago, when Elisha saw Elijah being carried up into heaven on a whirlwind and, and the chariots of fire that came and separated the two of them, and he saw him going up, he said, yonder goes the chariot of Israel and the horsemen of Israel. In other words, in other words, the military might that Israel may have had didn't compare to the spiritual might that that man brought to Israel. Yonder goes somebody more powerful than all the armies of Israel put together. It's a great thing when a, when a nation, when a people have spiritual strength, spiritual strength in, in the Lord, in the true and living God, through faith in Jesus Christ, obedience to his word, belief in his word, because God has a sword that he can draw that is mightier than any physical sword that anyone can think of. So Elijah was divinely protected during all that time and cared for in a very special way. And Elisha, of course, recognized that. And he thought he thought of, of what a, a tremendous asset 
to the northern kingdom of Israel, Elijah has been, but now he's he's being he's being carried away. You know, if you, if you love the world, you hate Elijah. But if you love Yahweh, you love Elijah. Well, Elijah was obviously loved and revered and adored and respected by God's people. Which brings me to the last uh, point that I would make next to the last point, and the two blend in together, but the first part would be this. Elijah prepared a younger generation for service after him. Here was all of this strong influence of the world brought on by Ahab and Jezebel. Here was this lonely guy that came from the mountains. The Bible in the passages of scripture that we sort of skipped across describes him as a man who was dressed in leather. He wore a belt and he was a hairy man, a hairy man dressed in leather and with a belt tied around his waist. That's what they. That's how they described him. Wasn't much to look at, I'm sure. Very common, very common country bumpkin from the from the mountain regions, where people didn't have the adornments and 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 accoutrements and things that people had back in Samaria. It didn't matter. Those things are just fleeting. They're gone in no time. They can be gone. Some of those things have been lost by people in the world probably in the course of these weeks that we've been told to shelter in place. Well, Elijah came with great spiritual strength and no particular wealth or education. He just came in service to the Lord because he had received the word of the Lord. Now, You can see, one can see, how a younger generation would have been so attracted to the worship of Baal, but not Elisha. There were young people there. Among those 7,000, young people who needed direction. And then they needed older servants of the Lord to invest in their lives so that they could serve in the Lord. And so that's what I see here because it is it is a natural thing for oh and I have to be so careful myself for older people to be critical of younger people to be for an older generation to be critical all the time of a younger generation. But Elijah knew that the work of the Lord was more important than that. At the end of his life he is seen walking and talking with Elisha, a much younger man who needed Elijah's input. He needed the investment of Elijah's life into his life because the Bible says Elisha becomes a greater prophet than Elijah was in the sense that he had twice the double the spirit, you know. Uh, so he's he's investing here in in the life of Elijah, Elisha, the, the, the younger people, uh, And it's as though between his sudden and dramatic appearances in the Bible, especially where he first dramatically comes on the scene and then dramatically leaves the scene in a whirlwind, between those appearances, he was obviously cultivating 
the work of God in the lives of other people and most specifically younger people like Elisha here because the Lord had told him, you know, your work is only going to last so long and you complete that work and then you'll be done and you anoint the next guy, the younger guy, to take your place. And his service came to an end. His service on earth, as far as we can tell, came to an end. Now, I put a caveat there because some people believe that Elisha and Elijah, the two men in the Bible who never tasted death, uh, and were, were, were carried up into heaven that those two men may return as the two witnesses during the tribulation. And I've read all about that. I've read how it might be Moses and Elijah, and I've read how it might be two men who are not related to either one of them, and they're raised up in the tribulation, whatever. The two witnesses are going to have a great ministry. That said, at that point in time, the work and ministry of Elijah was over, coming to an end. The important thing for him was to prepare the next generation. I'm not going to be here forever. I have to invest my life. They have to hear the word of the Lord, learn the word of the Lord, see the way of the Lord, and understand the great contrast that exists between Yahweh and Baal. The contrast between the heavenly way and the way of the world. How important is that to teach younger people of the things of God Almighty? So obviously Elijah didn't spend his time tearing them down or criticizing them for for hiding in a cave or not being with him when he was at the battle on Carmel. He didn't do that. And so we see that he invested himself in, in in these schools of the prophets. There was one at Bethel and one at Jericho. He taught there and he invested his life. When he was told there's 7,000 and hadn't bowed their knee, man, he obviously went looking for them. He wanted to teach them that they may know the great things of the Lord and how great the Lord really is. And he, he, he wasn't even jealous of Elisha. Elisha wanted to be twice of what uh, Elijah was, but that didn't, that didn't that didn't bother Elijah at all. What a great man. Which leads me to the to the second point of the last point. There are two parts there. Elijah left a work that was bigger than himself. Elisha became a great prophet of God. Great things uh, went on. In 2 Kings 9 and 10, Elijah's prophecy came true. Uh, He's mentioned again in Malachi 4. He's mentioned in the three synoptic gospels, Elijah, that is. Christ spoke of Elijah and the spirit of Elijah. So when he left, he left a work bigger than himself, not because of who he was, but because of how God used him and God worked through him and in his life uh, in this world. So he had this great and wonderful closure (laughs) of life, if you will, uh, leaving the world the way that he did. What What a great testimony for you and me to think about as here very soon, hopefully, we will emerge from our cave 
And the whispering, silent voice is what will guide us and drive us into our service. Well, God bless you. Thank you for for listening, for tuning in here on Facebook uh, for the for for the finish of the book or the study of Elijah. On Wednesday night, I'll continue back with uh, the Revelation, and uh, we'll do it Wednesday night like we've like we've done it previously. Uh, Charles will be in a, a location where he will lead the prayer time. And then when he signs off from his location, I will sign on and uh, continue in the study of the Revelation. And then, God willing, we're still planning to come back and uh, be on the stage, hopefully for the rest of our <laughs> incarceration uh, un- until we're given the green light. Uh, but but the eight or nine of us that come together on Sunday morning we will hopefully still be able to do that from the stage and make it as much like church um, as possible. Well, let's close with a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for examples like Elijah who teaches us how we can invest in the lives of others and leave a work bigger than ourselves when we leave this place. Father, we, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit within our hearts that that comforts uh, comforts us and guides us in times like this. Father, I pray for Shiloh. I pray for all of our people that you'd bless them. For those who are sick, I pray that you'd heal and bless them. And God, I pray that uh, you would uh, prosper us as you see fit in this world because we have suffered loss in many ways having having been uh, assigned our appointed places uh, during this sickness. We pray for all of our leaders, our local and state and national leaders, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would fall upon them mightily. And we understand, Lord, and we take it into our hearts that all things are working together for the good of those who love you, the called according to your purpose. And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ and through our faith in him, we stand in that place of divine election. And we thank you, Lord, that you've called us into your into your salvation. And we pray for strength and resources to preach to this whole world so that we may reach out with the gospel message of Christ everywhere as you do your work in gathering your own to yourself. We want to be responsive to the Great Commission. So help us in that and use us for your glory. Thank you for the time now that we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen.